This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Okay, well, hello and welcome to the Behold podcast, dear listeners. My name is Sean, and we have today, as usual, Dangelette. I like to, I only sing my name from now on. Done deal. Someone, <laughs> someone, someone's gonna have to check him on that if he ever doesn't do it. We also have with us quite the treat, actually. Um, we don't often get front men of big bands, but we got one in today. The the oh, the actual front man and lead singer of the one and only hum, homespun Royale. That's true. Very nice. Homespun. Nathan Baird. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. True story. Uh, Dan Gillette helped to nuance that name by accident. By accident. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he was like, How, it was, is, it was, it was homespun before. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's homespun royale. That sounds right. But it was royal first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which is probably, yeah. you know, it has a deeper meaning. But uh, I like royale. It's royale cool. just, it rolls yeah, off the it, tongue. It does. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm grateful. Also, one thing uh, that I feel bad for the podcasters, the listeners at home, um, and this is, this is bad podcasting, but you look amazing right now because you got some fresh frames. Uh, you are a, a, a glass-wearing individual, and you got some really nice-looking frames. They look kind of familiar. Uh, <clears throat> I feel like I might have seen them before on one of my <laughs> offspring. I, Parker is a, is a is a trendsetter. I yes. think literally, if you guys went went you know side by side, side, by side yeah, you think that they'd be. I, co- I did copy him. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Sure, yeah. That's okay. You look really good. Thank you. It's very very nice. I, I basically typed up and I said, "Hey, can you make me look like Parker?" And they said, which one? I said, Parker Gillette, of course. I said, oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh, yes, yes, of course, of course. Yeah, that'll be the clear glasses then. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Also, uh, you look you look well. Uh, many people don't know this because of God's miraculous power and strength moving through you on Sunday. But funny story, uh, Nate spoke, uh, he shared the message on Sunday at the crossing. And he came up to me, I don't know, maybe about 10 minutes before nine o'clock hour. And he's just like, Hey, uh, I'm feeling really sick. Uh, I might puke when I'm up there. So what do we do? Like we should come up with a contingency plan. And so just, yeah, we talked and I found him like a little container. Like if he needs to, if he needs to let it rip, just we, we tucked it away back behind some of the decorations on stage. And, and so I, I was kind of preparing for the worst, you know, hoping for the best, planning for the worst. Technically I didn't, I didn't feel sick. I had slept almost not at all. Yeah. And I'm not a hypochondriac, but because my children were throwing up, I was like, maybe that's what I'm feeling right now. Yes, so. yes. But praise God, you so got, through God it. got through it. It was great, um, and um, yeah, it was a joy. So thanks for thanks for uh, being the the scrounger for the the receptacle just in case. Oh yeah, and how's everybody <laughs> feeling at home? Good. We're doing we're doing good. It was like a 24 hour bug, I think. Could you imagine the comments we would have gotten if you had thrown up mid sermon? And oh, people man. would have been like, I cannot believe you're making this poor man go up there and teach today. <laughs> well, and then the best part would have been if you threw <laughs> up and then you kept, you just you just kept, kept going. Yeah. yeah, ignore that. <laughs> That's, that doesn't matter at all. But we also, we did have a couple people in, uh, you know, planted in the congregation who were ready to go with the sermon. Uh, yeah, if, if, that's right. If, you, if you, that the worst should happen. Which, is, which, by the way, is so great. It was, I, I felt, uh, yeah, I, Randy White was there with his message in hand, he was ready to go. That's so good. So that's that's one of the cool things about our church family is that um, this, this shouldn't be the guy that we're just brothers and sisters who are gifted in different ways and, and use those gifts. So I appreciate that. That's really good. Amen to that. Speaking of brothers using their gifts, how about this guy, John the Baptist, huh? What a guy. What a Can't guy. wait to meet him. He's the greatest of all people before Until, the kingdom of God came. Yeah. And now anybody who's in the kingdom is greater than John. You stole my line. I was going to mention that. What a claim. I'm still going to. Matthew (laughs) Ledden, everybody. Anyways. I wish wish they would send out a catalog with the, uh, you know, you could buy his apparel. If you could get the... (laughs) Camel's shirt with with the leather goat. Yeah, I feel like that could could really... I don't see a lot of people doing it, but I also don't see why a lot of people aren't doing it. Yeah, probably that's reasons. Right. It's probably it's you pull it very off. very uncomfortable. Yeah. That's why, <laughs> and smells bad. <laughs> but other than uh, that, it's awesome. Hey, uh, speaking of which, yeah. funnel. I don't know if I shared this before, but you know, in Matthew it says that that he ate locust and wild honey. Remember Delicious. That? Like that's his that's his diet. <laughs> so there's like keto, and then there's John the Baptist diet. <laughs> nice. But um, one possible option with that whole locust thing, which seems a little weird, that you'd go around catching. Like these leaping bugs, hard like, to like grasshoppers, yeah. seems really hard to catch. One possibility is that there's a, a plant called the the carob plant, K A R O B, 
And it's actually used today as a, as a chocolate substitute. Mm. It's also called the locust tree, and it was known in that it grows in the region. And that region is actually famous for carob production, and poor people would eat uh, the locust tree pods. So that also that might be what he's talking about. I was thinking I was thinking you were going to say that the locust would get stuck in the honey, and then he'd be like, "This is two <laughs> Perfect, for one. Two for one. <laughs> Might as well. Hey, I'm not going to clean this out. It's good protein. <laughs> oh boy." But yes, John the Baptist. Well done. Okay, so anyways, if you were uh, <laughs> listening last week or if you've been following with us on Sunday mornings at Valley Bible Church, um, we just left off baby boy Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, I should say. Um, you know, that account of him not getting lost, but but being away from his mom and dad. And they find him in the temple, right? And he he makes that proclamation of, of, of course I'm here. I have to be doing what my father's, his business. I have to be in his house. Um, but then Luke takes a gap. Right after that, as soon as it ends, it ends with Mary taking that and and really reveling in the truth of that. And then, bam, fast forward um, a lot of years, about 15 or 18 years, and here we are with John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. Indeed. And if you just watch how the, the story, Luke is writing the story, it starts off with John, kind of John's dad. Zechariah is the focal point, goes to his mom. Then it goes to Mary, and it kind of goes back to... Um, John, the birth, and then it goes to Mary and, and the birth of Jesus. And so now there's this kind of back and forth, back and forth, but we're, we're now going to do a handoff where John is going to do his ministry and then he's going to kind of disappear, yeah. uh, which is exactly what Luke wants. He wants to point a fact that, that John was leading the way, but someone greater was coming in and has arrived. Yeah. And that's going to be a theme, I think, throughout today's podcast is... Um, you know, we're looking into the gospel according to Luke and seeing amazing things. Um, and yet there's a thread underlying all of that, which is, man, we are a part of this new covenant. We're part of the kingdom of God and we are able to do great things as well. You know, mm-hmm. like you referenced Matthew 11 of John the Baptist. I appreciate your intro. You opened up with things we can expect out of John based on things that were foretold about him and incredible things. Right. And yet Jesus then says in Matthew that, like you said, John, he says, there's no man born of a woman greater than John so far, period. Oh. Then he says, but the least of he who enters the kingdom of God is greater than John. Um, and so, man, when we look to some of these things that John accomplished in, in, in turning eyes towards the coming Messiah, you know, and, and leading repentance, which we're going to talk about a lot today, um, it's just, it's convicting and encouraging to me of, man, these are things that, that God has equipped us to do as well, just just by being in his kingdom, just by being inherent inheritors of uh, his life, of the Holy Spirit, of this new covenant, you know? So it's a great thing to keep in mind as we dive into this this episode. Yeah, and let me throw out our first question because, first of all, I just really love the way you guys are, the way you do, you start off with the review each mm-hmm. week because we're, 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 getting, we're, we're going into like a historical narrative, right? That's, that's what we're reading, that's what we're studying with this series and so you always got you guys do a great job just just reminding us, hey, where are we in the story? Yeah, and catching us up so that we can jump right in. And, and so great job, teaching team for for that. And in your review this last Sunday, you said something that Sean, I think I want to ask about that that kind of flows off of what you just talked about in in Luke chapter one verse seventeen, and also in verse eighty, it talks about John having Luke talks about John having the spirit of Elijah. And you explained that really well on Sunday, which is essentially what that means is he is going to have this work from God of turning people back to God. Mm -hmm. And the way that he's going to do that is he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah, prepare the way for for Jesus, the the, the one, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as I was hearing you explain that, I was just thinking, man, couldn't that be said of all people who have entered the kingdom since, right? All of us who have trusted in, in Christ, been welcomed into the kingdom, were partakers of this new covenant. C- couldn't that be said of all of us? Or or what, what's your what's your thought? As I was listening, help me understand, like, it's almost like we're all like John the Baptist. We all have that spirit of Elijah. That That's what what, what I was processing. So kind of help, help me through that. Is there anything there that we can yeah. take? Well, I think there is maybe like a yes and a no. Okay, okay. (laughs) 
So sounds like a cop out. Yeah, but that's right. Well, that's that's what. So I roll. <laughs> uh, let's. Uh, um, yeah. So so maybe maybe first of all, what was unique about John that's probably not replicable by us? Okay. One, John was clearly, and especially since he was identified with Elijah, who had, had specifically in history called back the nation of Israel. Yeah. John was specifically preparing the nation of Israel to receive their king. Okay. So his scope of his mission, even though it actually goes farther than just that, it, it rippled out. It, it ripples out. But yeah. we have to remember that that Jesus, uh, excuse me, the, the uh, people of Israel uh, had, were all over the place. There's what's called the diaspora. Mm. Um, they were spread all throughout the Greek world, the Roman Empire. Many of them had not come back from captivity in Babylon or had had kind of decided settled to stay, somewhere settle else. somewhere else. Yeah. So there are synagogues all over the place. This is later mentioned. Um, in uh, James says this in Acts, uh, talking about uh, you know do, should should Gentiles follow follow Moses? And he says basically Moses is taught everywhere. He's, mm-hmm. he's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, so these synagogues had were everywhere. And so we find like in Acts nineteen, uh, Paul encounters some of John the Baptist's um, disciples disciples um, in Ephesus. Is that right? Ephesus, I think. So, um, so John's message, even though after John died, continued to go out and some people had heard it, but had not yet connected Jesus with that, which is what happens in that, in that passage, or at least the full, the full picture of who Jesus is. So I would say that, um, John had a preparatory role specifically for the coming of the next person. Mm -hmm. So since Jesus has already come, we can't, we're not in that slot. Even though there's a second coming and and in a way, right. right, Cause in a way that that's like, I was thinking about. You know, Paul mm-hmm. tells us you have we we've been all given the ministry of reconciliation, yep. right? So, and that that's what we are basically pleading with the a lost world is be reconciled to God. Yeah, repent. It's you know it's the same message. Yeah, and there is a second coming. There is a final judgment coming, and that is that that's that's part of our commission from from Christ to yeah. do that. So I don't know. Yeah. So I would say that's that that jumps into the yes part. Yeah. 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 So there, okay. so there's a unique. A person of who John, it was a moment. John is. It was yeah. like a historical that, moment. Because otherwise, yeah. it'd be kind of weird. Yeah. How how would then someone in the kingdom, who's anybody who's following Jesus, how would that person be any better than John? John yeah, you know, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. there's a, there's, there's a qual- something there's different a quality of because yeah. Jesus has come. That's the change, and the Spirit has been given to everybody that unites yeah. us to first to Jesus, and then because of that to each other. So there's a a change situation, and that change situation is important. Jesus also says that the Holy Spirit goes in front of us to convict the world of, of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so there's now this reality in the world that even before you come to somebody and sharing the gospel, um, they may be already thinking about their life in a way that they're already prepared to hear the good news. So the spirit is going before you, but that could also come in what you say. You might, you might be speaking and you point something out. Um, but I don't think we have the, um, we're not we're not in the ability to make people be convicted. <laughs> we we can't bring that conviction. So that would be uh, that would be the role of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And and the the ident- you might say, well, it didn't it says that John had the Spirit, but it's identified as the Spirit of Elijah. So meaning the the way that Elijah was doing things. That's mm. what he was doing. Yes, it's mm. by the power of God things came. But the point is not the that's not the Holy Spirit. The point is that he is taking on a role. Yeah, that's it was like the in the Spirit, style, in the style of, and yeah. in his in his force. He had power. That word power is the yeah. he. And people were ch- were turning. He wasn't just like we said earlier. We were talking beforehand about you know someone being anointed. You know, oh, that guy's really anointed. He's a really good speaker. That's just like. He might just be a really good speaker. Yeah. But clearly, maybe he maybe maybe he has the spirit. One of us could have the spirit of Elijah in, in the sense that they kind of they, they have a public ministry that's in that the ability to convict like yeah. what your words have your words uh you know I don't, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where um you I don't know, you say something and it has a much bigger effect than you ever thought it would have, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um and, and it's just God it's God, God moving doing, through. Yeah, you. yeah. Right. So I would say I would say no in the specific, but yes in the in the fact that we we, we do call people to turn that repentance, mm-hmm. turn toward God, away from sin, toward toward Christ. Except that now instead of pointing to someone who is going to be coming, we're pointing to someone who is currently reigning. And so, like the like you said, hey, be be Paul said, you know, be reconciled to God. We 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 say, hey, be reconciled to God. That ministry of reconciliation. Yeah, it's a little bit different because it's saying. Um, you know, hey Gentiles, you were never 
part of the kingdom of God. Mm. But you were never part of the, of Israel. Yeah, but it's now, not like a turning back. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's now. It's re, it's it's being grafted uh, in. Grafted in. Yes. And uh, in Acts seventeen, Paul talks to Ath- the Athenians, and he does say he's calling you home, so that yeah, you have a connect. You've had a connection in the distant past. He made you from one man. We we're all created from yes. Adam, and then through Noah. But um, but there's a, a different sense. You're not exactly in the same. Well, it's like it's like I'm, I'm a creation. I'm a creation of God versus I'm a child of God. Yes, that yeah. walked away. Yeah, I'm a creation of God that never knew Him. Yes, and now I'm 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 being adopted. Right, you know what yeah. I mean? Grafted yeah. in. Yeah, the, so the, the one who's who's loved you and has, by the way has given you food and rain and all this the kind common of stuff. grace. He's been taking yeah. care of you, but now now he's calling you into this this more deep, intimate um, family type relationship that was only before Israel. Now yeah. it's now you're included too. And so there's that new kind of thing because of what Jesus has done. This is now possible. So it's a, the message has some similar notes, yeah. but it, because of the, the change situation right before Jesus came on the scene, uh, it's, it has some differences, but yeah, I mean, repentance, turning to God. And uh, we just have the preparing joy of looking the back, preparing, preparing for his coming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is currently ruling now. And so be reconciled to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good just thought process in general regarding things in scripture as to whether or not they're descriptive of God or of us versus prescriptive in our lives, you know, like, um, there's so many accounts, you know, like, like the same Holy spirit, the same God that empowered that work of Elijah, we have access to that hundred percent. Hallelujah. You know? Um, but is that prescriptive in our lives? Not necessarily, you know, like a little example of, um, David taking down giants. Am I going to take down a giant with a sling? I'm. I'm not sure. Probably not. You <laughs> Metaphorically. <know>? Metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing is we sing songs <laughs> like giants. We start singing songs like that. I'm going to take down my giants. You know, but is that accurate? That that's prescriptive over my life. You know, I I I have a thousand percent confidence that the Holy Spirit has the power to, or God has the power to protect me from a fiery furnace. That's within His sovereignty. You know, do I expect that I'm not going to get burned if I touch a fire? Not necessarily, because it's not prescriptive over my life. And just, anyways. There's a lot of examples of, of that where I think we, we we look at accounts of scripture and it's just easy to take it out of context just a little bit and just think about it in that way of like, God, protect me in my fiery furnace, you know? And yeah, that's that's poetic and beautiful to talk about and think about, but is it accurate? Not always. Well, and the flip side of that is true as well, though. There, Just because there isn't, you know, I think about like the Psalms, like, you know, like you won't, um, you won't allow, you know, my foot to slip or, you know, like you, you, you're going to protect me from all diseases and all this stuff. You know, it's like <clears throat> just because something isn't, or just because something is says, doesn't mean it isn't. We just have to do our work. We got to yeah, do our homework. Yeah. It, it's kind of like the whole mean? discussion of like regulative versus normative worship, you know, of like, is it appropriate for us to just say anything that the, is not expressly forbidden by the Bible should be a normal part of our lives every day? Well, not necessarily the flip side of that is we only do things that the Bible explicitly says, do this every day, you know? Right. And the reality is I think that living in the kingdom is in the middle somewhere of it's more spirit led, you know, it's more, more Dynamic. just abiding with Jesus and yeah. less about the, the nitpicking of those things. But anyways, yeah, a good discussion of just taking things in context like that. Cool. Yep. Another thing I want to ask you about, Nate, it's so nice having you here <clears throat> because you, nice you, be you've here. done all the work and so I can just pick your brain, but I really liked the way that you handled repentance and the idea that you shared of growing up with this negative connotation around yeah. repentance. And I'd love for you to just talk about that a little bit and yeah. talk more just about personally what shifted for you in that. And, and then I, I would love to just have a discussion about what does that look like in your home? How do you teach your kids about that? Yeah. And, just practically, because obviously there's this sense that when we come to Christ, we repent, mm-hmm. right? We we admit that we have, that we're guilty of God, of, of sinning against God. And we admit that um, there's nothing we could do to, to atone for that and to, we're headed for eternal death, you know? And there's a kind of like that, that big repentance, right? Yeah. But then once we come to Christ, Repentance continues to be a part of our life, right? It's something that we we continually walk in mm-hmm. as we become more like Christ. So I, I think it's just an important conversation. I'd love for us to just kind of drill down on it a little bit. Yeah, and I, I'd like I, maybe just starting with the whole ch- children or, or, or maybe early ex- thoughts about things. There's a lot of words that we have that we use all the time in ch- Christian circles that 
at some level we kind of cringe at, <laughs> you know, like yeah, we, yeah. we don't, they, they have negative, like we like joy and peace and, you know, <laughs> forget, you know, all these, and then like, or even like grace, you know, that's great, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. But then there's words like confession <laughs> or yeah. repentance. So damnation. I, damnation. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, obviously there's some negative <laughs> things. Sure, sure. But um, with with repentance, and I'd say maybe confession as the as the the post the post coming to, to Christ analog. Mm. Uh, so if if we if you think about um, if you if you if you start with the idea that I, I I'm going to by confessing something I'm putting myself at a weaker lower position that I'm scum that um, it's like a self-deprecating that, that this per, that this other person might totally reject me yeah. that they probably don't like me right now like you know we we have all, we attach all these other things unspoken things to these two words that are just not there it's like human baggage yeah, like it's we're human bringing baggage, right into right it. Yeah. and so um you know G- jesus explicitly says that god the heavenly father is not like your dad mm. <laughs> however bad or however great your dad is the, our Heavenly Father is infinitely better at being a dad, being a caring, nurturing, loving person, and being a um, a relational being. So, so repentance, and I think I mentioned this on Sunday, that repentance is best thought of, I think, in terms of relationship being restored. Kind of like that, again, that be reconciled. reconciled okay, there's, yes. That's all, it's like, I, f- I feel like those all are kind of in the same thought bubble. It's mm-hmm. different aspects of this reality that we're called. We were created in the image of God for to, relationship to, for with relationship God. with God. Yeah, and that was damaged because of sin. Um, but but now in Christ, this is being restored. And so, what's what do you do? Well, the the the, the people of Israel at the time were a mixed bag. You know, because we, we had these stories in the beginning of our our, our account of Luke that yet you, you have righteous people. So it's like, well, what do they have to be? Sorry for they're they're longing for the coming right. So, but the but the idea is that um, yeah, to those people when they heard that the King is coming, when God's coming to forgive sins, they weren't like, oh shoot, I have to repent now. They're like, oh, it's finally, yeah, yeah, sign me up. And then you had the Pharisees and Sadducees, these religious figures that had come to the crowd, and and Luke doesn't call them out, but Matthew does. Uh, or John, I'd specifically identify them as the the, the brood of vipers. Oh yeah, who told yeah. you to escape the coming wrath? You're just coming here to put on a show because it's politically expedient. You want to look like you're associated with good, righteous things, but you're not really coming here because of a change of heart. You don't think you have anything to repent of. That's not true repentance. That's not true repentance. And the Pharisees will say things like, "We're not blind," or "We're children of Abraham." They come up with all these reasons why they don't need what Jesus is offering. This yeah. this relationship as they turn from from sin, turn from being their own, going things their own way. But it, it's it's a turning from and a turning toward. I think like when Peter uh, preaches in in um, Acts two, you know the people say, uh, "What do we do?" After he's told them that they just crucified their own king, right? Yeah. What do we do, brothers? What do we do? And he says, "Repent," you know. Yeah. And, and and what he's saying is, change your mind about Jesus. You killed him as a criminal. That was evil, <laughs> you know. Change your mind about him. So you're going to turn from that. You recognize that that was wrong, but really, it's also recognizing who he is and and, and coming into that. Re- Once you know someone who they are, you start dealing with them as they are. You know, I think that we know this in all relationships. If you if you're married uh, and you don't see your spouse or you think that there's something else than they actually are, you will deal with them in a totally wrong way, and you will you will not have a good relationship. So we have to first recognize who we are in relationship to Jesus and then turn to him. And that that's that repentance. That's that peace. So it's not a, it's, it's a, if, if you long for wholeness, mm. if you long for healing and relationship, um, it's not like God is the type of person who's, who's going to hold ammunition in his back pocket for the future use, right? Because yeah. love keeps no record of wrongs. So when I repent with a human, I might be afraid that they're going to, use it against me in the future, right? Especially if they've done that in the past mm. um, or if I've done that to them. But that's not the case with this whole idea of reconciliation. Um, in Act, Again, that Acts 17, when, when Paul calls these Athenians who've never known God to come back, he says, but now God's calling you back. Come, come to him. Yeah. He, wants, he wants this re- relationship and you'll live in a way in the world now and in the future that is totally new. It's a new kind of life. And so I think the, the, the antidote 
to anything, whether it's confession or repentance, those words that bring us anxiety, right. is that we can come with full expectation of forgiveness, mercy, mm-hmm. right? That's uh, First John uh, 1 and 2 talk about this, that, that, that Jesus is our propitiation. That that um, that you can have confidence. Confidence, yeah. He's like, like I love your traffic court thing. Uh, It 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 brought back a lot of post post traumatic (laughs) stress for me. I dude, I spent more time in traffic court than than you. I mean, you'd be amazed, right? It's like Um, there's your seat. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But you have an amazing uh, just experience because the of the the predisposition of the judge. Yeah, and that's who who our father is because of the work of Christ. He, when he's ready to receive us and give us mercy. And I think that there's a lot of things in life where if we focus on the process rather than the, the results, it it can be Mm off-putting, right? So like we talk about physical exercise and activity, right? You you may not enjoy the the strenuous nature of working out. But if you can fix your eyes, if you can change your mind about the whole the whole idea to, to say, well, I'm going towards a goal. Like I'm 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 gonna get somewhere and that's what's gonna keep me going. And so I think if 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 we're thinking about repentance, like the actual turning of repentance is kind of not nice. Just like discipline is kind of not nice, right? Yep. Like no one no one likes discipline, but we like what it produces in our life. So I think if we if we can connect repentance to like you said the relationship that that God the Father is standing ready to welcome us that that Jesus's heart is I've like I've wanted to gather these these people like a hen gathers her chick, yeah, chicks you yeah. know like if we can understand that that's the heart of God then it makes kind of the not niceness part of right there's because there's a humility there's a there's a vulnerability that comes from repentance. But if we can attach it to the relational aspect of a God who's welcoming us home, mm. then it'll help us with the icky feeling of that turning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that achiness is largely attributed to our just sin nature, you know, mm. our pride, um, our whatever it is, because even though I totally agree and I get it that like it is uncomfortable and displeasurable to confess that you messed up somehow, you know, I think that if you are thinking about the result of that, then even in the middle of that process, not just after, even while you're doing it, it's incredibly freeing. That's a great point. Like it feels so good to get something off your chest. I don't know if you guys have confessed things to friends or your spouses or whoever, but I think that leading up to it, I think Satan's working hard to prevent that because, you know, he knows the fruit that comes from that. But for me, as the moment that that happens, I just think, oh man, thank you, Lord, that this is off my chest, you know? And I think because the reason is because it's motivated by love. It's motivated by, by my love of my wife or my love of you as my friend, Dan, or my love of God and Jesus, you know? And I was just thinking about, as you were talking, Nate, the, the, the view of the Christian church in America, you know? And unfortunately, sadly, I think a lot of people who aren't in the church, they view Christianity as hyper-focused on repentance, you know? Mm. And in a way that is like all wrath and brimstone, you know, kind yeah. of thing and it just hurts my heart when I see those guys in the corner with the fire signs and everything, because I don't think that's reflective of who God is. Right. Yeah. Like you mentioned first John, read first John four about all the, the God is love and he's going to know who you are because you love one another, all this stuff about love. And so when I talk about repentance, I think that it reminds me of our discussion yesterday about loyalty or allegiance. Mm. It's just the natural result and consequence of you having loyalty to a God that you know, loves you. You know? That's good. And so it should be a freeing, beautiful process. And just for kicks, I looked it up. Do you guys know how many times the word repent or repentance is in scripture? Tell me. About 60 across Old Testament and New Testament. Yeah. Do you know how many times the word love is in the Bible? I would say like five times the amount. 751. Wow. That's... With various forms. And yeah. so like... Clearly, Let's hold that in perspective. Clearly, yeah. God's yeah. plan is is one hinging upon love. Obviously, we see that through His Son Jesus, the cornerstone of our faith. You know, so just as we're thinking about repentance, just keep thinking about that. I mean, this is this is this is a sign of my love for who Jesus is. This is a sign of my my loyalty to His ways. You know, and I think it'll really help that be less icky. For well, us. That, that gives us a great perspective on what what John because John gives a couple of examples of like, okay, 
what does this repentance look like? Yeah. Because they're like, tell us what to do. Yeah. And so he talks about the tax collector. What's the other example he talks about? Yeah. So b- basically, hey, don't don't steal money from people. Don't, don't <clears throat> right. extort them. Don't use don't use false testimony to get which what what you want out of them. Right. So he's instructing them basically, like, hey, there's going to be some some evidence or some fruit of the one who has been reconciled to God through repentance. And I think it's really important that that like that conversation of love. It explains that because yeah. once we are are back home <laughs> with the God who loves us, then some some fruit's going to start to pop up because we're going to not in a perfect way, but we're going to start walking in a different direction. Because that's the other idea of repentance is I'm turning around and then I'm I'm going the other way, and I think that will help us with the whole. I mean, there's so many different traps that that can happen if we're not focused on love, like you like you yeah. said. If we're not focused on a God who who loves us so generously and so, um, you know, with such a, a steadfastness, then we can start to to get into like a okay, well, I'll, I'll I guess I'll start I guess I'll stop stealing money from people and I guess I'll stop lying, like you know, and then hopefully if I do it enough, God will love me, you know, and, and I'll be okay. Right. There's so many different pitfalls in there. And so, you know, well, we have, we have an example in uh, Zacchaeus. The story of Zacchaeus is a perfect picture of what happens when somebody turns to Jesus and, and recognizes they've been forgiven. What do they do? Zacchaeus says, I'm going to pay back four times what I do. He's a a tax collector. He does what John had said to do. Zacchaeus does. And it seems like spontaneously, it just doesn't seem like Jesus told him that. But but as a result of of his forgiveness and recognizing that that God didn't despise him, that God had forgiven him, even though his own people despised him, Jesus ate with him. And came to his house. He says, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay back four times, and if you know, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it right. Why? Because he had been received that mercy from well, God. And, and if it truly is spontaneous, then Sean, that that backs up what what you're saying is we once we've once we've received and experienced that, then it's it's just going to be a natural response. Like, and when we talk about fruit, right? We talk about a fruit tree, like you did on Sunday, and like the passage talks about is. A fruit tree doesn't need to be instructed, hey, get get the fruit going, right? <laughs> right. Like, it, and it go, should go right here and not there. And, right. and it should be this big and this color, right? No, <laughs> like, and, and a fruit tree also doesn't doesn't think, it doesn't spend all day thinking, oh, I hope I get some fruit. Oh, let me work so hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do, right? right. What yeah. is a fruit tree? The only thing a fruit tree is doing is, is getting connected to the source of life. Yeah. It's stretching its roots down to, this, to the water yeah. to get, you know, nourishment, it's stretching its, its branches up to the heavens to, to receive sun. And, and it's not even thinking about fruit. It's yeah. not, it doesn't even, you know what I mean? It's just, it's a natural process of staying connected to the life source. And I, and I think, I mean, that, that I love that you brought that up because I think that is the key way of understanding the idea of fruit in the new Testament, like Jesus in, in uh, John 15 talking about, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. The idea is that it's an effortless result if if you're connected to me. Right. Yeah, it doesn't say pursue bearing these. Pursue fruit. bearing these fruits. <laughs> yeah. It says that you will. Is this right. a fact? Yeah. And and the idea of you know all the parables about it grew up and and it produced you know forty, fifty, sixty, hundred times whatever yeah. Is, yeah. is again this idea that this is our experience of what you plant in the ground. It it just does it. And um, so yeah, that's that's a that's a great idea. That um, what when they were asking what do we do, they were I don't. They were hungry. <laughs> they were hungry for some direction about how this might be seen, and um, because he he had set, he had put out this this phrase, you know, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Right. And so that's kind of a parable. It's like a little little story. Okay, what do you mean specifically? Give me some clarity. And so he defines what he means by by fruit a- actions in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm reading um, speed reading through uh, Dallas Willard's. Um, uh, the was it the heart of the disciplines or the you didn't read the title but you read uh, yeah the, I, I don't I don't know. It's, he wrote it so fast he's about it's about spiritual disciplines okay and um he 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 makes a great point and and others have too that we are embodied <laughs> we are we are we uh, live in this world we're not a <laughs> we, we don't have a body we are a body we don't have a spirit we are a, you know a spirit we're we're a spirit body unity mm. and that's what we're designed in, in Genesis it says 
you know, God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. Not that he had a soul. He, he is a soul. That's cool. And so the only way that we live the spiritual life is through our bodies. That's the only way we do it. So we will do that in the future because we have resurrected bodies waiting for us, you know, we'll have. And right now we have these bodies. That's why Paul makes the distinction between um, our, fle- our flesh is at war with our, our new spirit. And he says, it's not that flesh is bad, it's that it is compromised by our old habits and desires. And so, this new life is partly rewriting the code. It's, it's, the, new, cool. it's the new code so that mm. our, our hardware can run, all you computer <laughs> folks, right? We have a new software, a new operating system, but there's the, the old ones kind of lingering and there's, sometimes they create old bugs. So, we're, we're, uh, we're looking at Jesus, the perfect... Uh, perfect one, our teacher, our master, the one who secured this for us. We're living by the same spirit that he's he the coder. With. He wrote he's the, the coder. He wrote the, wrote the code, <laughs> and 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 that's actually the new covenant that that God is writing his law, his code on our hearts. That's cool, right? And so, but how does that implement it? It's always implemented through what we do and say. So that's why the focus on action and speech in the Bible, how you speak to people, how you treat them with your body, what you, what you, how you use your resources, how you act justly, how you act justly yeah. in the world. It's not like just think about being just, it's doing just. And so, and interestingly, John gives a positive, if you have coat, a coat, extra coat and extra food, give. And then he says, and don't do these things. So do these things positively in the world. And hey, you soldiers and uh, tax, tax collectors, collector. don't do this, which by the way, that's two of the 10 commandments. Don't, don't bear false witness against your neighbor and don't steal. That's the kind of sums up what he told the tax collectors in the, in the, in the, um, uh, soldier, soldier. But for the other one, the two positive ones, those are, those are all, you know, don't covet. What's the opposite of not coveting? Be glad of what you have. And then even over the top, sharing sure. generously with what you have with others. That's real love and not just not stealing, but positively benefiting people with what? Your body that gives your resources. Hmm. That's really good. That is really good. Um, and man, just on that, that thought of fruit bearing, I've never thought about this, but I, I think it's totally intentional that in Matthew 7, when Jesus is talking about the fruit bearing, right after that is when he gives that warning about there will be those who who I never knew. You know, who, who He says, those, those of you who come to me and say, oh, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I did great works in your name. Mm. And he'll say, I never knew you. Go away from me. You know, And I think that it's, a fitting warning right after that thing about fruit, because it's easy to fall into that trap. Like you were saying, Dan, of pursuing fruit or pursuing what we think to be the right thing after that process of repentance, quote unquote, you know? Uh, but man, if you're never, if you never knew Jesus, if you're never beholding him and abiding in him, then yeah, of course, that's going to be an uncomfortable, unfruitful process for you in your heart. Someone calls it fruit stapling. Yeah. Uh, so stapling fruit onto the tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And that's a great point, right? Cause like, you know, I'm, it doesn't take a, a scientist to, to identify certain types of trees, right? Like, you know what a pine tree looks like versus an oak tree or whatever, right? And if I, yeah, if I, if I walked over to a pine tree, you know, it's a Christmas tree and it's got fruit hanging, you know, it's got <laughs> apples <laughs> hanging out. I wouldn't be like, oh, wow, look at this apple tree. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I think the freedom that you're talking about is so, it, 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 that's kind of how we measure whether or not we're keeping with the what is it the 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 repentance keeping what's yeah the, yeah oh, oh, fruit in keeping with repentance fruit in keeping with yeah, repentance yeah. that's how we know if that's happening in our life is if we're living with freedom yeah if we're if we're if we're working our our fingers to the bone and and we're smashing our head against the wall and and the and our Christian life or our pursuit of Jesus is is marked by anxiety and frustration and self deprecation and we're just walking around with guilt and shame like that that is how we know we're, we're hanging we're hanging apples on a pine tree yeah. do you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. those we, are definitely not the fruit of the spirit yeah exactly so like <laughs> but if we're walking around with freedom and joy and and love and and you know what i mean like there there's a there's a, there's this cease we're cease striving you know yeah. we're, we're like we've 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 become something and now we're just now we're just walking in that well, you, you and you brought up the question of like, how do you teach this? What 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 do you do in your home? Yeah, and you know, I mean, I I I don't know if I'm the exemplar of everything, but but here just some just some things. If if relationship is the core of repentance, if it's is it if it adds core, it's about restored relationship with somebody, and that might mean you know what if you what if you have a relationship that has 
cooled over time. You just haven't talked. What's do you have? Do you have anything to repent of? Like this bad thing I did? No, maybe you're, what you're turning from is just not calling them, mm. right? So that's a, that's a repentance. I'm calling you up now. We're gonna our relationship can be restored. Maybe you'll feel hurt because I didn't call you up, and we might have to talk about that. Well, you know why? You know I'm sorry, whatever. But but the whole at its core is it's just relational. So I think the first thing is you have we have to teach that to children. First of all, this God, this Father, has acted in history in the person of His Son to bring us to relationship. That Jesus is the one who reunites us with the Father and gives us the Spirit, so that we can experience His life on Earth and we can experience being beloved sons and daughters of God. So we have the, the Spirit of Abba, right? That, that yeah. cries in our hearts. So that's the first thing that that we have to say. It's not about. Um, it's primarily about. Walk, walking in a deep relationship of a God who loves you and and has made a way for you to continue what you're supposed to do back in the garden, which is to be his representative on earth and to, and to rule, uh, you know, over creation in, in, a, in a, not in a, uh, we're not setting up necessarily a kingdom right now, but Jesus, mm-hmm. Jesus kingdom that, that we, we have the, the type of life of God is now growing inside of us. That's that, that fruit, right? If we're, if we're reconciled to God, then then, then his um, his life is now evidenced in how we speak, how we treat people, how we use our money, how we use our time. So, so that's the first thing. It starts off with that relationship piece, and then we practice it. So, I, I, um, you know, some people, older generation of people, maybe if, if you're listening and you think you might be the older generation, see if this sounds familiar, or maybe it's your parents. But there was a time I think where people could not admit they were wrong to their children because they thought it would undermine their authority or for whatever reason. Um, and I think what I have tried to do is practice confession for the purpose of restored relationship with my children. That's so good. So they'll I, learn more from that than anything you teach them. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I'll say things like, you know, I'm sorry when I, I said that Jesus would not t- treat you that way. Yeah, you know, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry that that thing I did, you might not have noticed it, but I, I that was unkind of me. You know, isn't, I'm so grateful that God treats us kindly, and yeah. we point to the gospel, maybe a, a specific example of God's kindness that 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 does two things: that focuses on the relational aspect, and also teaches them that confession is the the path to restoring relationship. It's cool by acknowledging. That there's a need for yeah. a restored relationship, and it, well, and, it, and it normalizes confession. It doesn't yeah. become this like foreboding dark thing that you don't want to do. It's like this is what we do when we love each other. Yeah, we work it out. Yeah, and I think another thing that that helps in my house is just talking about mercy. Mm. Right, I feel like that's a word sometimes we only hear in church. <laughs> Let's bring it into our homes, right? So, like when when there's a conflict in my home, it's usually because somebody is, is, is sinning against somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so whenever that happens, the, the, the kind of, um, the option for me as the dad is, am I going to discipline this child? Right. Or am I going to show them mercy? Right. And so, so we always have that kind of conversation. Right. And, and depending on the offense or, or just the circumstances, whatever's going on, I'll ask my, my, my son or my, or my daughter, I'll say, what you did was, was wrong, you know, and, and it's not the Jesus way. We talk about that a lot. And, um, and I'll ask them like, would you like mercy? (laughs) Would you like mercy? And what what do you think their answer always is? No, it's like the the judge, you know, would you like, would you like me to let that go? Right. Uh, Let me think of that that for like mm, zero seconds. Yes. Totally. Totally. And so we talk about. Well, why, why is that important? Because God's mercies are new every morning. He, he never runs out of mercy for his kids. And so we can, we can show that to each other, right? We don't, not every offense or sin needs to be dealt with. You know, sometimes we can, we can let that go. And even if there is discipline, it's not punishment. It's because it's about, um, it's about training mm-hmm. and it's about relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And I think another thing that helps us is, and this is hard to do and we're not perfect at it, but whenever we discipline our kids, <clears throat> we we look for a gospel opportunity, 
And it's even just a phrase like, Hey, you know, this is why, this is why Jesus died for us because we sin against each other. And do you see the death and and conflict and destruction and chaos that it brings into our family? Like it's not good. And this is why we need a savior. And aren't you so glad that he's given us his mercy and and forgiveness and we can give that to each other now. Mm. And you know, it's, it's, uh, hopefully it's, it's happening, uh, a lot and, and often because one time's not enough, right? Mm. We, we know with children, you gotta, there's, there's a rep- repetition that really is important. And maybe another helpful thing, um, kind of relating to the negative feelings we have toward, um, repentance and confession, um, that you might have, um, uh, is to ask why, <laughs> Why do you, what's, what's the source? Because maybe it's, maybe it's pride. Sean brought up, you know, sometimes we're just pride. We don't want to admit that we're wrong. Um, could be uh, fear. Yeah. But it could be fear that we're not going to mm-hmm. find the right response from God. So that's, that's going back to the truth of scripture and saying, wait a second, what, what I want, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. That's, that's first John. That's first John one. That he, that he when will, we, forgive, he us will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. So, we can expect a welcome and that Jesus in, in chapter two, John continues that Jesus is the satisfaction. He's the, per, the propitiation for our sin. He's the perfect, um, you know, go between um, for us um, because of his perfect life. And the father's always happy about him. Mm-hmm. So I think the, it's good to identify why am I feeling this, that this positive thing is negative. It's, it's repentance is a positive. Remember we talked about Sunday that people joyfully responded, right? Either you didn't, if you either rejected John as a kook because he called you out because your heart wasn't right, or you really longed for God to come, the kingdom of God to come, and you wanted yes. to be ready. And so so you received him with joy. This op- option for, re- for forgiveness of sins is coming. Sign me up. What do I need to do? I'll do anything. Repent. I'm, I'm on it. Hey, what kind of fruit should I be doing to make <laughs> sure that the king knows when, I, yeah. when he comes that I'm, my heart's toward him? And so I think, I think identifying... What's the issue? Where's your heart what, at? Yeah, what's, your, what's the issue? Is it a, yeah. you think God's going to hold it against you? Maybe you had a parents who held things against you. God's not like that. He's not, he's, there's love keeps no record of wrongs. Maybe you think that he's going to give it to you on certain terms. He's, he's going to like, well, we'll let you back a little bit and see how you do, right? Mm. But we, he says he, he purifies you from all unrighteousness. That means he cannot treat you as anything but perfectly righteous like his son. Amazing. So when you confess your sins. So so there's all these little um, reasons why, and I think it's really important to walk through those negative emotions and find out what is causing it because it's it's preventing me from the life that God wants to experience with me and that he has sent his son to die for to, to achieve that for me. So it doesn't seem like he is um, slow or hanging back or you know, keep taking names. <laughs> it's, yeah. So it seems like my, on my end, um, it, something needs to be addressed and he's already given his word. He tells us how he feels about us. Man, which reminds me again of yesterday's conversation we had, Nathan, about the armor of God, because, uh, I think that's really, really valuable. And, and this is like anything else. Like this is, it's just so valuable to evaluate your heart and gain perspective, identify these issues. But then what do you do with them? You just leave it there you contrast that with what the word of God says. You contrast that with the character that God has shown himself to have. You know, you contrast that with the promises he has made to us about what life is going to be like now and what's still to come. So, I mean, maybe that's your shield of faith in who God is and you're going to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy in that way. Maybe you're fighting back to those lies with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Um, it all starts with, like you said, uh, of just beginning that process of why am I thinking this way, you know, which I think is really just a greater discussion of is Satan messing with me right now? You know, is there, is there other spiritual forces of evil trying to prevent me from doing what God wants me to do right now, you know, and then go from there. That's cool. Can I shift gears just a little bit just as we wrap up? Yes. Just one quick little thing I think would be cool to, to, to chat about from Sunday. And you said something, Nate, just a couple uh, seconds ago that I think just made me think about it is when you were talking about Jesus being the propitiation for our sins, that he's like perfect go between his work on the cross, satisfied the wrath of God perfectly. And if we're with him, then we're good with the father, you know? 
And you said something that's really cool is God, the father is always pleased with God, the son. Mm -hmm. When he looks at Jesus, he there's delight Mm. and it's just how the passage ends. It's so powerful Mm -hmm. because as, um, as John baptizes Jesus, the, the one that he is preparing the way for the one that he is beholding, the one that he is telling the crowds, his followers, I'm not even worthy to untie his, his sandals. He then gets in the water with, with Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God and, and baptizes him. And, and we see this amazing scene of heaven opening up and the Holy spirit descending like a dove and the God, the father telling the crowd, this is my son who I'm well pleased. And I just, I wanted to just talk about what that means for us now, because obviously Jesus was baptized, mm-hmm. right? In water. Mm-hmm. Um, we are to follow that example by being baptized in water, but something happens it, for us now that we are uh, part of this new covenant. And we talked about this offline earlier that when in the first century, when all of this stuff is happening for the first time, there's, there's kind of a, an unfolding of baptism and the Holy Spirit coming and Jesus establishing his church. And there were some kind of unique things happening at that time. But now that, that everything's set up <laughs> here, you know, in, in 2023, our experience is, is a little bit more normative. It's a little bit more of a, of a, of a defined process for mm-hmm. us. So I thought it'd be cool just to end our conversation, just talking about baptism, water baptism versus Holy Spirit baptism. What does that look like for us as new covenant mm-hmm. believers? How, how can you just like get into that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, this is cool. I was having a conversation with, uh, the Greenaways on Sunday after second service. And, um, we were, we were looking at Acts 19, which is where some of John the Baptist's disciples encounter Paul in Ephesus. And uh, they had received John's baptism of repentance, but they didn't know about um, the the uh, Jesus's baptism of the Spirit. And so, because because John John did talk about that right with his with his disciples, but maybe I don't know they they didn't hadn't made the full connection right. Because, yeah. So like, let me let me just read this. This is from Acts nineteen one. Um, so Paul asked him, "Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed?" This he's ta- asking these. Of disciples of John. And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So uh, these people had heard John's message. They'd been baptized by John. They had, uh, or baptized in John's baptism of repentance. Seemingly they had heard about Jesus, but they hadn't heard about the fact that he was going to be giving people uh, the Holy Spirit. And they said, no, we haven't even heard about that. And then he said, into what were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. John's baptism, Paul says, was the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. It says, on hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so here's a second second baptism that they're doing. Yeah. And then he says, then Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. So there's three things happening in this particular case, which like you said, Dan, is a little not normal. Right. Um, But one, they had been baptized with, with water. With water once. Yeah. Then he, but Paul says that was for repentance until the one who had come. He's come now. He's Jesus. And it's, it, they don't say, oh, let's talk about that some more. They says immediately they ready because John had prepared them. They remember what John had said. And so they're, they're a second baptism. When we are baptized today with water, we are not baptized into John's baptism because Jesus has already come. Yeah. That's, that baptism of repentance is not the same. Although there is a similarity of, of we turn to Jesus in repentance. We have a change of mind about him, turn from our, our way of doing things on our own. And we receive, receive him as our, our Lord. We're baptized, he says, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. So baptism is a visible sign of loyalty and connection. I, I've, been, I've been connected to Jesus uh, by the Spirit, and Jesus as the Father's Son, they share the same it's name. Already happened. All, the already water happened. isn't doing it. The water isn't doing it. I've already done this, but it's a public declaration of that. And then, and then he says, then he releases the Holy Spirit. And we know if you if you read in Acts, this this when the Holy Spirit comes on people in Acts, it's kind of all over the place. 
There's no uh, specific there's, there's pattern. There's no pattern initially, and there's, uh, there's reasons for that. For example, the disciples believed Jesus. They walked with him. They didn't need to be baptized because they walked with him. They were already, already associated identified with him. With and him. you even yeah. said, uh, you know, Jesus, right before Jesus' crucifixion, people said to Peter around the campfire, hey, weren't you with that? Weren't you with Jesus? And he says, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But they recognized that he'd been with Jesus. Right. And so and elsewhere, uh, later on in, in Acts, when they are speaking and they're brought in front of the Sanhedrin, it says they remember that they had been with Jesus. Yeah. So this idea of being baptized to Jesus is something that only happened after Jesus left. Water baptism. Wa- water baptism. We got we to yeah. distinguish that. Okay, water right. baptism. Yeah. That is accompanied by simultaneously with or, 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 or connected to the gift of the Holy Spirit to all those who believe. And so we have Cornelius who hears the gospel before Peter in, in Acts 10, before Peter even finishes, the Holy Spirit is, falls on yeah. Cornelius. That's before he's water baptized. Right. So later on, Peter says, well, I guess he's got the Holy Spirit. So can anyone prevent him from being baptized into the name? Because clearly he's already connected to Jesus. Yeah. You cannot be connected. Whoever has the spirit of God is a son of God. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we, we see that, that water baptism doesn't, is not a, um, there's nothing magical about it. It's a mm-hmm. public declaration that you are, are part of the the family of God, so yeah. other Christians, and and I guess at this time too that other people would know you can't hide the fact anymore. You can't be a, a secret Christian yeah. once you've been baptized publicly, um, and and so and then and you're, you're made a pledge of loyalty to God um, that you're you're connected to Him now. You're forsaking yeah. anything else. So so those those things come. They're all part. We still do them. They're still a key. And specifically, the new birth is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that is that is what that is. Paul says in Ephesians one that that the Spirit is given to all. When you believed, you receive the Spirit as a as a, a seal guaranteeing your adoption, yeah, and that you belong to God. And secondly, that it guarantees your inheritance of eternal life. Wow. So the the Holy Spirit is doing that. But we also know that through Jesus, that the Holy Spirit does these other things. So so the the Spirit's presence is the defining reality of the new covenant. Everybody who puts their faith in Jesus receives the Spirit. There's reasons why that came a different, uh, the, the spirit was received at different times in that process for different people in Acts. But now in our, in our current moment and, and from what Paul says, believing in Jesus is, is simultaneous to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then you, you declare pu- that. publicly declare yeah. that. Yeah, publicly yeah, declare that. And, this, and that, this is something that has recently just been crystallized for me. I think I had all these different ideas in my brain but they've recently just been just been kind of brought together, and let me take a stab at just kind of a succinct, you know, summary statement. And tell me if you guys agree. So, when we hear the gospel, what what God has done for us through Jesus, and we respond in faith, at that moment of conversion, we are baptized into Jesus by the Holy Spirit, yep. and the Holy Spirit comes in and takes that personal residency in our our bodies in our spirit, right? Then after that, we we are baptized by water into the family of God, into the body of Christ, and and even specifically into a local community of believers. And that's that's our public uh, declaration that we are we we belong to, to to we we're united with Christ and we're part of God's family. So I don't know. Do you guys? Is that yeah. a good way to think about it? Yeah. That's kind of normative now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the word baptized literally just means to to be immersed into, you know, yeah. um, the Greek of it. And so, yeah, we're, we're, you, you, you are declaring that I am immersed into this family of Christ now, you yeah. know, or another phrase would be like a, a setting apart. For, for, I'm, I am marking myself as being set apart as one of God's people, you know, which relates to that, that topic of anointing, which we brought up earlier. Um, which I don't know if we want to get into right now or not. <laughs> Man, the, the podcast is going long. I mean, all I want to say is, is Nate, you, you just have the anointing. <laughs> you just have such an anointing oh, on your life. <laughs> no, we, we were talking offline really quick and, and just an important thing that we wanted to, to just encourage all of you with is that regardless of your gifting, regardless of your personality, regardless of your progress or maturity in Christ, because we are part of this new covenant by the indwelling of the, of the Holy Spirit by believing and trusting and putting our faith in Christ and his atoning work on the cross. We are all anointed. Like we see this biblical sense of anointing as mm. a setting apart, a consecrating a, 
um, basically you are, you are on mission to do this, th- this thing from God, whether it's a king or, or a prophet or, or whatever. Um, we, we all are, un- if you belong to Christ, if you've gone through that, that process of, of immersion into Christ by the spirit, then you are anointed. You are part of the anoint, the anointed people of God. And yeah, we were joking earlier just about how sometimes in, in certain circles, if somebody is particularly uh, gifted in a public ministry or they have a certain talent or ability, it's it's easy for us to say, well, that guy's anointed, you know? And what that does is it creates kind of a weird hierarchy and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's, and it's like, oh, well, well, I need to then, what, what can I do to get that anointing or, or that guy's better than me because he has it and I don't. And I think our, we want to encourage all of you that if you belong to Christ, you are anointed and you, you, you have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life and you are set apart and con- consecrated for God's work. And it's going to look different than it looks for Nate, for Sean, for myself, but we can have confidence in, um, in the work of, of God, God's spirit, you know, in us. Right on, right on. hundred percent. My anointed brother. <laughs> oh, dude. I feel, right. I feel the anointing. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> all right, y'all. Hey, hope this has been helpful and effective and equipping for you. If you any questions, of course, give us a shout out or just bug us on Sunday. We'd love to, love to keep talking about this stuff with you as we dive into um, this coming Sunday at the Altamont, a great passage, Jesus in the Wilderness. And then Charlie at the crossing, um, wrapping up uh, 12-year-old Jesus. So, Or sorry, wrapping up the, the John the Baptist part. Wow. Yes. You, you did a good job juggling all that in your brain. It's this a lot to process. Like, wow, this whole off, off schedule thing. Anyways, love you guys. Thanks for joining. Catch you guys next week. Have a great week. Peace and love. And repentance. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week. Online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.